Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Generally Casual. I'm your co-host, Michael, and joined with me today is... Corey. And Richard. Who is very confused today. Uh, <laughs> and I guess that makes sense, because we're talking about a topic that we initially... Well, at least I initially didn't know as much about, other than, like, through major mainstream media stuff. Yeah. Like I, movies. Yeah, I like only knew it. Like anime. Yeah, lots of anime. <laughs> I knew it from a video game called Dante's Inferno. Which is also an, an anime. <laughs> and an anime <laughs> called Seven Deadly Sins. I know, probably. Oh, and a Full lot. Metal Alchemist, and that was it. Yep. <laughs> I know about it from movie, from anime, from Dante's Inferno. Oh, Full Metal Alchemist as well. Oh, and weirdly enough, Inferno by Dan Brown. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so that too. I think that touches Books? on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it talks about Dante's Inferno. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if and people if... don't know, that's the prequel to Da Vinci Code. Yes. Yeah. Wait. Wait. No. no angels and demons. Angels and demons. Angels, it's the other way around. Inferno is like the last book. The yeah. Sequel? It's it's yeah. The, the, the it's a yeah. sequel. Sequel. In my timeline, it's the prequel. What just happened? And now That's computers okay. no, freaking no, no. out. That was just it was yeah, some monitor what? stuff. We're okay. Good. What? Cool. We're good. If you're listening now, what? you might have heard crazy sounds. What? We're okay. We temporarily <laughs> took a trip to the Inferno. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um. Let's get Richard, as per usual, to give us a definition about uh, the deadly sins. Yeah, I, where did you find this, by the way? This, Everywhere. No, the, the all over the, the place. Definition. Many places. Not Lexico. Uh, no, I think that specific one I found from a. Oh my goodness, it wasn't Lexico, but it was another um, British. Uh, Don't worry, Corey. History okay. publishing I'll just click thing. Control okay. Z on the outline until yeah. we get there. Um, okay. <laughs> So, the nondescript definition from someplace unknown is, um, oh, we're going to go through this. What are sins, right? We're going to start with sins because then we'll go into why they're seven and deadly and other things. The bad. (laughs) So, according to Catholic theology, the sins are behaviors or feelings that inspire further sin in people. So, in essence, if you do a bad thing, bad according to the Catholic theology uh-huh. that's considered a sin yes and then the capital ones which are the the big ones are also known as deadly sins yes which are there's seven of them which is uh pride greed lust envy gluttony wrath and sloth and yes. then uh what's interesting is originally and we'll talk about it later it was taken from somewhere else um but they have direct polar opposites called uh Virtues, yeah, oh, and yeah. there the are seven, seven virtues. Virtues, virtues, which are humility, cha- charity, chastity, gratitude, temperance, patience, and diligence. And what's interesting is they say that these are the behaviors that directly cancel each other out. Makes sense. Um, and later on, a Greek philosopher actually said that um, these are actually polar opposites of the spectrum, and in between those two, uh, where the actual thing is. So it will be like too much of something is uh, like humility, whereas so too not much a negative no, versus yeah. too much positive, mm-hmm. and then in the middle mm-hmm. is kind of the the better way to live hey, the life. Yeah, we all know that Pandora trapped hope in the box and let everything else out. So we know that you know hope. That's why hope is not on the virtue list because it's still trapped in the box. We're good. Yeah, and <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's interesting. But the um, other one would be despair. Because it's like all these sins 
are really just things that can come up in someone's everyday life. Mm-hmm. And so are the virtues. And um, I think it's interesting to talk about how they do kind of associate with us individually. So, Corey, what's your yeah. biggest sin? Um, honestly, <laughs> I think for me personally, I would consider it greed, but not in the traditional sense because a lot of people are... They kind of associate greed with money, right? But greed encompasses other things. It's kind of like the act of hoarding things. Mm -hmm. And for me, I really value my personal time. So, like, I am very selfish with it. I am an introverted person. So, like, that's how I recharge. So, unless I make plans with people... um, I just, I want to do my own thing. I'm comfortable doing my own thing. So I would consider that to be my main sin, which you can kind of tie into sloth. But sloth is slightly different than that. That's what I was going to say. So uh, being that you're greedy with your own personal time, you are still actively doing things in your personal time, which is really important Mm -hmm. to you. Because sloth, the main differentiation with sloth is that sloth is the absence of all other things. Mm-hmm. So sloth is the absence of love, the absence absence of kindness, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I find I found that interesting doing research on that one. Mm. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess taken literally, uh, I wouldn't say sloth, but kind of taken in the interpretive way that uh, what I know sloth to be, I, I would say I'm more on that aspect. Because I, I like doing not things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I My brain, especially nowadays, I like just turning it off mm-hmm. and just kind of not thinking about things and not doing things because I am doing things all the time. So my way to kind of clear my mind is just to like sit on the couch and even just close my eyes and just not think about anything. Not be present. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean... Uh, probably dabble in greed more of the objectivity aspect of it or the objectiveness aspect rather than the money um i know i can border on being prideful sometimes too you like your opinions oh yeah no his opinions are the only one that are right (laughs) (laughs) well i wasn't gonna say anything (laughs) and michael with that uh is there a little wrath in you with (laughs) calling him out (laughs) Uh, well, I just like to call people out to make people angry at me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I probably like a few years ago, my biggest one would probably have been gluttony cause I would absorb everything. Like I would take too much, too much video game time, too much food, too much, mm. you know, too much of that and this and just like absorb everything. Um, and then slowly I've learned, was it temperance is the opposite. And mm-hmm. uh, I like how you put them both in order. Yeah, that was very nice. Try to help out. Yeah, um, and slowly over, the, probably from college, I've learned temperance um, and then dabbled on making sure I'm patient because um, my big three probably would have been gluttony, wrath, and sloth because I'm not usually too greedy, lustful, or prideful, or envious of others. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm always humility. <laughs> humble. Uh, you're so humble michael but you're so angry about it i'm the most humble and i'll yell at you because of it (laughs) um and so right now my my biggest one probably been sloth because well and probably not to extreme of the sin is just 
making sure I'm trying to stay active and doing stuff rather than just sitting there and playing video games. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, taking some time, getting my diligence out there. So um, now that we've kind of touched on a couple of the ones that we associate with, um, some people don't know exactly what they mean, but have a general idea of the individual sins. Mm. Um, but what I find interesting is to go back to how the capital sins were defined by Dante Alighieri. Um, hey, nice job. That's, you that's did pretty that. good. Yeah, that's yeah. very good. I, I Alighieri, yeah. That, so, I heard it so many times listening to that damn Brown novel. I was like, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> um, so he is a very famous person in history. I believe he was a poet and um, philosopher, right? Yes. Yes. So, um, he is the one. He's the Spanish. He was Spanish, right? Not Italian. Italian. I don't Italian? know. Maybe. Uh, but he, he was Italian philosopher yeah. who wrote Dante's Inferno, which is a series of poems about um, essentially the descriptions of the layers of hell and how they relate to the capital sins or the deadly sins. Yeah. It describes a journey yeah. from the top. He's Italian. He's Italian. Yeah, I was uh, like, his name's you know, Italian. Well, he was from Florence. They're close together. You know? no, I understand yeah. that. Dante, yeah. I can understand, has some Spanish roots the, in the, the name. Story I'm was from the other hemisphere. So. Specific, that means when you're from the other side, it's you've got to be Spain. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, it was a story of a journey of a person who traveled through the nine... Uh, levels of hell mm-hmm. and then describe them very de- very descriptive yeah so um they're very perverse and corrupt versions of love so uh lust gluttony and greed are all excessive or disordered love of good things um and then wrath envy and pride a perverted love directed towards someone else's harm uh and then the sole exception to that was sloth which we talked about earlier which is a deficiency of love. So in the capital sins, there are seven ways of eternal death that you can be condemned to, and they those relate themselves to the different circles of hell that you go to. Yeah. So essentially in Dante's Inferno, um, the protagonist is chasing after his wife, who is dragged to hell um, because she made a deal with uh, the devil. I believe and it was in and the game. I don't remember in the book though, because it's it's very interpretive because it's, it's basically all written out. And it's a poem, too, yeah, so exactly. It's hard to well, read. that's also what's weird is like I feel like in the original poem it was just like it was, just it was very just it was just Dante just walking what, through it, the circle of hell. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> More or less, it was almost and I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure in the original like prose it was basically almost like a dreamlike state where he just describes. The nine levels yeah. of hell. I might maybe getting the both kind of, and that's the thing into, is the game twingle romanticizes the, the yeah, game. Yeah. End up ends up basically being like, okay, how can we attach a story to this? Mm-hmm. So yeah. then they say that Dante is chasing his wife Beatrice. Yeah, there's also a uh, I don't maybe the art is also called Dante's Inferno. Uh, well, there the, is a piece of art that yeah. is a physical representation of, of what, what he sees. Yeah, yeah, what he saw, which is literally a uh, a giant painting. That has multiple levels of of hell, and you can see, uh, like on the lust level, there's tons of people just doing debaucherous mm-hmm. acts and things like that, and it kind of mm-hmm. goes down, down, down. They did a really good job with the game in terms of visually representing kind of what 
mm-hmm. what the the aspect is, especially like towards the end. It was very heavy too. Yeah, and uh, it, it's very like God of War esque, but like even more vulgar. I want to oh, say, oh, hands down. Um, but what's interesting too is the movie kind of si- followed a similar plot line to the the game, and maybe that's why that's kind of more reinforced in my line in my mind. Um, but then in Dante's Inferno. The capital sins from lust to envy uh, associated with pride the most because mm. that is the chief of all sins, the father of all sins. So um, pride spawns the other capital sins from itself. So surprisingly enough, there's also a movie about the seven deadly sins that has uh, Brad Pitt in it uh, called Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I would highly recommend the movie if you can kind of stomach a little bit more towards like the saw genre it's more suspenseful than it is like gore stuff really really written really well things like that but basically summary of the movie is the brad pitt and morgan freeman are detectives and they're investigating murders that are associated with the seven deadly sins and then yeah no no spoilers about that (laughs) but um what's interesting is they reference a lot of dante's works in the film because Mm -hmm. they do a lot of research about the seven deadly sins and um, it was interesting to see that because uh, you, you talk, well, you mentioned it in your outline that Dante wasn't the originator of it, but mm-hmm. he's the one who popularized it. Yeah. You, yes. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's just because whether it was how early historians got his text or how readily available that text was, because um, you know how linguistics works how it can be complicated translating back and sometimes they need a previous piece of information to translate further back into another language like an older language mm-hmm. it was, i believe it was written in a different dialect of italian mm-hmm. and and because it's prose and stuff like that it's very flagrant and blah 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 so then when they pull it forward and then now it's printed everywhere you can see it in english which but, even still reading it in English is very complicated, like to the point that yeah. I have heard it's easier to learn Italian to read it in Italian than <laughs> it is to read the English version. Well, and not to mention his his work is actually part of a bigger work as part of the Divine Comedy. Yes. So it's like in between a bunch of other stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Which is also the same thing is somebody theoretically floating around. Yeah, I mean, that I believe the, it's the same guy who he then eventually gets out of hell and then has to go through limbo, yeah. and then from limbo to heaven, and then he describes it all, yeah, yeah all yep. the way up, yeah. It, he basically makes a vertical journey, and uh, the limbo aspect they consider technically part of the nine circles of hell, but he has an entire separate piece of prose of purgatorio that he talks about purgatory and just how. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what's interesting, like you said earlier, is that originally we didn't know these sins as capital sins. It's a more recent thing um, that was popularized by the Roman Grecian church. Is that is that a correct term? Greco-Roman is what yeah, you're thinking? Greco-Roman, yes. Yeah. Um, and Geico. that's more, Geico. more recent. Save 15% or more on sins. <laughs> Sponsor us, please. <laughs> we need the insurance to cover our sins. Um, and it originated and was pulled from the works of a 4th century monk called Ev- Evagarius Ponticus. 
who listed eight evil thoughts that were translated to Western writings as gluttony, lust or fornication, avarice or greed, sorrow, despair or despondency, wrath, sloth, vainglory, or we know that as vanity, or pride and hubris. So those were the eight. Um... And these evil thoughts were contained in three types, which are lustful appetite, so gluttony, fornication, and avarice. So it's all about getting something Mm -hmm. or having something. Irriscability, which is wrath. So it's, you know, the lack of temperance. Um, And then corruption of the mind. So vanity or vainglory, sorrow, pride, and discouragement. Mm. So um, he also was the one in his earlier works I was reading. Um, he set these out with opposing things. And this was the guy where he had, like, you know, the opposite of gluttony is this, the opposite of lust. Yeah. So he then had those things and he put them on a spectrum. And um, he would say that the quality of man is what lays in between and that, like, gluttony would be one end of the spectrum. Also makes sense because each of the sins is an excess of, I guess the bad. I mean, even though we've spoken, it's like lack of um, lack of the virtue, mm-hmm. but it also the sin is having way too much of the sin itself. I feel like gluttony is just like, oh, you're just sitting there at the buffet and just gorging yourself on everything, and then you go and do all the drugs, and then you go over there and drink all the booze, and then it's like, oh, you're gonna you're not doing very good. What, what I find interesting about that is your original point um, from Dante, how he talked about how uh, pride tends to be the, the most capital. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense if you think about kind of both philosophers as a whole, pride or hubris tends to be something that leads to everything else. Mm-hmm. You, you are so confident in yourself that it's like, well, I can just do whatever the hell I want. I can lust after stuff. I can you know get everything because it's all mine. And everything's about me. Which is also why I it's not really listed on the nine circles of hell. Because, I mean, obviously you're not going to hell for pride. You're going to hell for a specific reason. And a lot of these are in order of how bad they are. Yeah, that's why yeah. treachery is the last one. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it was interesting reading about it. Like how each one has their own form of punishment. And it was like, once you got to the end of treachery, it was just like... It was the worst, but also I feel like the minimalistic. I don't know if you remember the treasury punishment, but I remember it was something like they would just be buried in the ground and then their their heads would just be there. And oh, and it had something to do with like ants or something crawling over your face. Yeah, it was like it was like something like really bad but also really simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um so obviously before we move on, um you you touched on an earlier point really well about the buffet sort of thing i don't know why it made it made a lot of sense to me but it's like it makes sense because the devil is always known as like being a prideful being right Mm -hmm. so that pride then spawns from the devil to all of his other sins um which you know he betrayed god and in literature and stuff like that so um, it spawned from other things, but the buffet thing made me laugh because it's like, oh wow, <laughs> I've had that moment at the buffet where I've had that avarice, that greed, where I'm like, 
it's the buffet. I can have as much as I want. Yeah. So I load up my plate way more than I have. <laughs> that pride of like, no, I got to finish my plate because <laughs> I already, I, I, I got to do this. Like, it's mine now. Yeah. And then after the buffet comes the comatose sloth. <laughs> where you just don't want to move. Well, it's like we said earlier while we were describing ours. It's like humans are made of sins and how they deal with them. Mm-hmm. Every person has certain sins that are greater in themselves. But you could also describe that in a very a way less religious city way. But it's really true. It's like everybody will go through times or one of these seven is more prevalent in their life and maybe they have to strive towards the virtue over the over the sin. And even if you're not that religious, you can also look at your own life and be like, which one of these seven has tempted me the most? And yeah. that's probably the one thing you deal with a lot more in your life. Yeah, and uh the Catholic Church has taken that interpretation quite literally. So um the earliest Christians didn't understand the seven cardinal sins to be deadly in themselves. Um, or mortal sins in of themselves, like, you know, murder would be. Um, but the church fathers and their uh, rabbin, rabbinical? How, rabbis? Rabbin, yeah, the rabbis. I, yep. I don't know how to pronounce rabbinical. <laughs> rabbinical. Just yep. say it faster. Rabbinical. I, I, can't, I can't say it faster. Rabbits. Um, thought that certain sins were unrelated to the cardinal sins and drawn from the Ten Commandments. And they condemn the soul to inter- eternal damnation. I'm really struggling today. <laughs> um, Commandments. So the deadly and the cardinal became conflated during the early and middle ages through the sacrament of penance. Makes a lot of sense. Middle ages was like the height of time where they were like, oh, you know, people are doing some pretty messed up things. We're mm-hmm. doing a lot of killing right now. We also, uh, we want some of that money. So mm-hmm. the sacrament of penance was brought around. Yeah, you pay your way to heaven. Um, yeah, as essentially <laughs> to buy your way back into God's good favors. Um, but also, most importantly to the Catholic Church, um, it was known as confession. So it's where the faithful are absolved of sins that they've committed since they've been baptized. Because obviously their whole belief is that uh, like babies are pure beings. But from the moment they're born, they accumulate sin, and then they are baptized as a baby to absolve them of any sin that's accumulated. Well, and original sin. And original sin. Sure. All the babies are born with original sin as well. Sure. Um, (laughs) And then uh, they must, in confession, one must admit to any mortal sins they commit, and mortal sins are things that would sever one's connection with God. So something like murdering, something like, um, I believe it was prostitution was one, a mortal sin for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have, they have to, like that in their belief is like 100%. They have to say it, otherwise they're going straight to hell. Um, and then uh, they may admit to vi- venial sins. So venial sins, interestingly enough, kind of like what we would consider a white lie to a lie. So it's something that doesn't destroy the connection to God, but it damages it. Um, And interestingly, I was reading that venial sins are considered to always be venial, no matter how many you make. 
um, just because they compound, it won't turn like, let's say you do three things of theft, it doesn't compound into a mortal sin at any point. Um, Unless you kill somebody when you're... Well, well then that's... That, that's a separate thing in itself. <laughs> but yeah, so... I stole their heart. Uh? From their body. <laughs> so it was venial sins were considered a lesser sin. Um and as long as you made some sort of effort outside of confession to fix that sin, it would be considered mending that connection. You didn't have to confess to it in confession. I mean, that's also exactly where Lent comes from, correct? <laughs> I mean, giving up something that entices you for a while and then mm-hmm. go, yeah. going back into it. That's a matter. That's the same thing as like what penance is. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're spending your time. I mean, uh, most, most major religions have some sort of time, whether it's Lent or like um, um, Yom Kippur, things like, like a that. Reset the clock sort of situation. Not only that, it gets you as a person of that faith to think about that faith for a long amount of time during mm-hmm. that period. So you're, it's a self-reflection time, or in terms of Lent, you're thinking specifically about not having that because, in your mind, that's something you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. That's a sin. Yeah. yeah, and so it's purging yourself of that sin. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's interesting, especially because you you mentioned the whole like Lent and all that aspect, um, but. It makes sense because they would consider that venial sins would weaken one's will. And once your will weakens, it then becomes easier and easier to do more lesser sins. And the more lesser sins you accumulate, the more likely you are to commit a mortal sin. I mean, it's a gateway sin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and they didn't like those gateway sins. No. Um, what was interesting, too, and... It, it makes sense because they're wanting to bring people back. Obviously, if they're in the church already, they would be more likely to go to confession. Um, but missing mass was considered a mortal sin. So if you didn't go to church one week, you've committed a mortal sin. You need to go to confession to confess that mm. you missed it. That makes sense. We can all uh, whether that also was associated to missing a tithing. Uh, <laughs> that's well, another discussion. What, what's interesting is is like the church almost like evolved their certain mentalities around what was serious and what was not. Um, to kind of loop it back to Dante, and what I had originally talked about with like original sin is one of the layers of hell that he talked about. Literally, is where all the babies who haven't been baptized but end up they dying, go. Yeah. they go there because. Every every person is born with an original sin, and unless you get baptized, that original sin is still there. That layer was really disturbing, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting to see that, like, they then... It's not a slap on the wrist for missing church. It's like, no, you've, you're now going to go to that, you know, pretty much equivalent to that level of hell mm-hmm. if you don't confess, because you now put a stain back on your soul. Yeah, it's, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. But um, this all goes into uh, the more original source materials because obviously uh, Dante and um, the earlier guys, they it was interpreted from previous stuff and I completely forgot about part of the research that I'd done when we were talking about it earlier. And it wasn't the previous, uh, previous guy that 
talked about the the points on the spectrum. Oh, it was this next guy. Oh, I was just getting ahead of myself, and cool. I totally knew that. Yeah. Um. So we knew the seven deadly sins as we knew them had pre-Christian Greek and Roman precedents. So Aristotle's Aristotle. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. I read that. Yep. Aristoteles. Yep. That's if you read it phonetically. That's yep. his cousin. That's Aristotle's cousin. Aristoteles, the cousin. Uh well then would you like to say this next one, Richard? Uh I think it's Nico Machaean. That's right? what it looks like. Sure, let's go with that. Nicomachean is ethics. what I would say. Ethics. Yeah. List Nicomachian. several excellences or virtues. You so, added a bunch of syllables, Michael. Yep. <laughs> Aristotle. Oh, so Aristotle's the one who came with the opposing force yes. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Argues that each positive quality represents a golden mean between two extremes. That makes sense. Uh, which is a vice. So courage is the virtue of facing fear and danger, but excess courage is recklessness, while deficient courage is cowardice. So That sounds like something that Aristotle would yeah, say. Yeah, hippie. Him and Plato, like all those, yeah. all those All those guys. guys. <laughs> They're all into... That stuff. Spectrums. They're all into spectrums. About Um, people and things. So he lists virtues like courage, temperance, which is self-control, generosity, greatness of soul, magnanimity. Um, I like that word. It's a good word. Magnanimity. Measured anger. Friendship. How do you go from magnanimity and then just saying measured anger? Well, he just... It's a translation. Whoever, wherever you found this from, they go from Jude giant words to wit and charm they're expecting me to run out of breath the later <laughs> i get in the sentence i re- i can appreciate that um friendship is a, a quality which is cool oh, I, yeah. I, it makes a lot of sense um and it's all the values of Yu-Gi-Oh. yes the power of friendship yeah that's exactly right heart of the cards and the power of friendship <laughs> yep who knew aristotle was was watching Yu-Gi-Oh from his long long time he would ago. have hated pot agreed <laughs> <laughs> um so Roman writers like Horace extolled virtues while listing and warning against their vices. So obviously he he probably learned a lot from Aristotle. I, um, I bet. Yeah. A lot of people a lot, did. A lot of people <laughs> did, uh, including me today. <laughs> His first epistle? What? Yeah. Epistle? No, epistle. Yeah. That's, that's right. Say that to flee vice is the beginning of virtue and to have got rid of folly is the beginning of wisdom. Which I like. That's yeah. nice. That's nice. Yeah. Um, so interesting enough, one of my co-hosts oh. has put the uh, the prompt here. Are there any new sins that we should add for the modern age? We are the next Dante. What should we add? <laughs> See, the problem is is there's already seven pretty darn good ones that cover. Yeah, but can you think of an eight? No, that's the thing, right? <laughs> So, uh, 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 the the problem is, is they the set the seven themselves kind of cover a lot. Mm-hmm. But what Corey, what you said was very interesting because you, when we talked about sloth, you used the very literal definition of what sloth is—the mm-hmm. absence mm-hmm. of everything—and stereotypically. You don't think of sloth as the absence of things. You think of it as, I guess, the absence of activity more than anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you included like love and other things like that. So it's it's interesting that despondency is included with 
a sloth. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you uh, mentioned what I was saying because I say a lot of things that That's I true. just forget. But, um, yeah. but I feel like that could almost be a sin in of itself, right? Despondency. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I feel like that causes a lot of problems. Like, how many times have you gone in an argument with someone over something that you forgot? And then you're midway through the argument. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, I did say that. And then it's mm. on the quality of the person to be like, oh, I was wrong. Sorry, I just remembered. Or some people, like, will argue to the bone. And I hate that. That they're like, no, no, no I'm right. Because they can't be wrong. They have a point. They're and pride. that ties from pride. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's actually funny because that makes me think that there, maybe there's a set of natural sins that you can't really control. Because your set of forgetfulness is only based on how good your memory is. Skid marks are a natural sin. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. Whoa. Nothing like going into a public bathroom and seeing that natural sin all over the place. People just oh, hanging up man. the drawers. Oh. <laughs> Well, I was actually going to say it is <laughs> more more pro- productive mention. Yes, uh, we talked about Aristotle a little bit ago, and you said friendship. So, what's the opposite of friendship? Uh, I would argue that the opposite of friendship would have to be. Um, oh, I had a really good word for it too. Um, apathy. It, well, and that's the thing is you can kind of lean that into sloth a little bit yeah but to me and that's where the the sloth and laziness kind of go together versus the apathy and love or the lack of their empathy sure the lack of empathy i've read that the opposite of love is hate and the opposite of kindness is apathy that makes sense so that's that and you i would associate personally kindness with friendship yeah Sometimes. I mean, you can be courteous without being. You can also be really friendly. rude to your friends as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess to me, and that would be something that in in a modern day and age, they're definitely antisocial people. Mm-hmm. But to be antisocial to the point of extreme, I think that I would consider like a modern day sin. Asocial people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I get it that there's there's people that have that affliction who just don't who get their energy drained by being social and i understand that but when you're almost willfully doing it that to me can be considered like a modern day sin because you're like almost pushing people away to the point of like no i'm not being social on purpose and i refuse to be social and blah blah blah. so anyone living in the woods by themselves with a giant beard they're committing a sin yeah Yeah, I mean, are not good people. Th- well, that's the thing is, then you kind of you can go off the deep end with that sort of stuff. You go hard conspiracy theory off the grid, like it tends to lead towards like a little bit of mental instability. Yeah, well, and that's why you were talking about uh, cowardice earlier, and I was like, cowardice and bravery could almost be one of those. But I mean, like, there's there's a time to be cowardice or a coward, and there's time to be brave. You don't necessarily want to be both of those things all the time. Yeah, this is a big dragon coming at you. Well, it depends what you have on on your uh, person. What society just... are you living in where there's big dragons coming to you? Well, you're not in my society, are you? Uh, apparently not. <laughs> yeah, um, we've discovered the hermit in our group. <laughs> <laughs> He's living in the woods fighting dragons. Yeah. Oh well, I mean the same thing with a modern day society when dragons don't exist. 
<laughs> like if there's a car coming around at you, I mean, like, are you gonna be like the the like are you gonna be like pull I'm out your shield you. and sword and I'm gonna run at the car? Yeah, I'll fight you. Back car. you devil beast. Yeah. Little do you know it's one of those little tri-wheeler cars that weigh like twenty-five <laughs> killers. I mean, even more specific. You flip that you probably like injure the, the driver yeah. if you see someone who who's in the way of a car i mean that's another thing is like you know are the is your body type the one that can go rescue them or should you back down from that i mean there's a lot of things that that rely around some of the sins that are more situational and well it, and the crazy thing is is we have plenty of laws in place that some would say could go too far about uh, uh societal obligations to help right so it's almost like uh, uh, modern society has taken that and been like, well, you have to help. Yeah. Otherwise, you get in trouble. And obviously, there's a lot of gray area in that and stuff like that. But that may be what I long kind of all three of the things that we've been talking about. Yeah. That that would be the, the sin. You staying away, not helping, not doing anything, mm-hmm. which yet again could be kind of sloth ish. But I, I feel like. I would put sloth in the category of awe. And this is just from my visual interpretation of sloth based off of the many things that I've seen pop culture wise is literally I associate with sloth with someone who is sitting, doing nothing, not eating anything, wasting away into nothingness. Oh, the old uh, marijuana commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The deflated person yeah. on the couch. That's right. Um, but I don't know. I found this really interesting just because it's like it is the old school original versions of like human psychology right it's trying to break down the different states of the mind and being like here is a guide as to how to overcome this particular uh like human preference because i feel like all humans are slightly preferential to one of these sins they are Mm -hmm. on the scale somewhere yeah um and that it's through the opposing virtues that they've tried to instill a sense of law and order and understanding of the human values so that, you know, like you were saying, um, the whole, like, do you save this person or laws today being set up to kind of instill a sense of uh, social obligation, it makes sense. Because if you have that set of social obligation, if you don't, necessarily enforce it as heavily as other laws it still instills a value in the populace to be like this is important people on the opposite end of the spectrum are the irregularities yeah yeah so it kind of helps shepherd people into a more controlled box speaking of people is there a certain sin you would uh, uh, associate with general society pride there's actually a few for me pride is definitely one Especially in in today's day and age, my other one would be greed. Yeah, greed for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think society as a whole. I think it was really big in the '90s and early 2000s was gluttony for sure. But that's not as much nowadays. I think that was also because that was towards the end of the biggest step forward in like the average everyday person having extreme access to food. Oh, I agree. Like. Yeah. Um, like pre what 1950s even like it was not common for the average person to have more than they could eat well and actually looking at today i mean you could still view gluttony in not a food way because it doesn't need to be food it's just the consumption of something is that 
the internet is now being used gluttonously. Well, oh, capitalism sure. in itself is a form of gluttony yeah. as well. Because we are purchasing more than what we need. And that is technically driving economies. But is that necessarily what we need? And that's yeah. like one argument. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad this is all coming off on a mental health podcast. because. <laughs> well, and the, I think that the society is taking kind of roller coasters, uh, uh, kind of up and downs for a lot of these different sins. Uh, and I think that they've been kind of uh, 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 spotlighted in certain things. So, like, as an example, um, wrath and lust both were, like, really pinpointed when um, government was involved in, like, video game, getting mm-hmm. angry at video games mm-hmm. because they're like, this has got lots of sex and violence. And so that those were the two, like, you cannot be violent. You cannot, you know, do that stuff. And now that's kind of faded away. Um, And then just through sheer act, we've kind of gone over the previous ones. They just seem to be a natural abundance. So that lends itself to other ones. Um, The only one I... Envy is the only one that's like just such a base. I feel like that, that makes a lot of sense in a modern society because that is what drives commercialism is envy what does somebody else have that i want and then you go out and you buy that because you wanted it Corey's house is so cool in valheim now i gotta spend hours in the game and then michael improves his house in valheim and now i've got to put in (laughs) even more hours to make my house bigger well that's the funny thing is is in today's day and age envy is only fueled by commercialism or through advertising which is almost the other sins which is almost. well but that's the thing is because it's become so prevalent in today's society uh, everybody's kind of learned to just turn it off i don't mm. it, let, let me give I'm you an example scary. let me give you an example uh facebook unless you have the ad preference stuff you can turn that you can hide each of those ads eventually to the point where you get stuff that doesn't make any sense for you to get so, like, there are now ways that you can influence your own stuff. And I get it. It's still there constantly. Mm-hmm. And you may get pulled in. And the the temptation is always there. But the aspect of envy has become muddled because of that. Does that make sense? I think it's got more to do with an individual's appetite towards a specific thing. Like, you yourself might have a really high tolerance to envy. So, you might see all those things that might make somebody else much more like experience that drive to purchase things a lot more. But wouldn't that have more to do with what we talked about earlier, like the gluttony or the greed aspect as opposed to the envy? Well, I it think de- it combines a lot. I think it depends what line of work you're in, to be honest. Which example, which if, if you are a Carl, uh, Carl, Carl salesman, no, yeah. a Carl salesman and you sell Carl's. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, if you are Junior a Carl salesman, and you're constantly looking at the next coolest car that your boss owns. The newest Carl? Yeah, the newest Carl. This uh, one waves. Yeah, and he rides in on Carl. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Um, it's and not you, that kind and of you podcast. you keep looking at your boss's stuff or you're, you're in like a traditional business, an office worker job, where you keep looking at the, the your managers who have nicer stuff than you. I feel like that's a stereotyped like envious situation that you're putting yourself in you're going oh wow you got the next newest phone the prototype one or like oh wow you got the next newest car oh wow you got a nice big house i totally want that i i would say the house thing is probably the most envious at least this generation of course it's just like everybody's like 
that you generationally is going, well, yeah, you have all this cool stuff. We wish we had that. That was really big in the 70s. And I forget the exact model of Ford, but it was a, it was a really popular Ford in uh, Britain. And essentially in England at the time, um, they were starting to do higher taxes on wages. So companies started being like, oh, we don't want to you know, pay as many taxes. So instead, we're going to deduct some of the employees' wages, be like, hey, you take less pay each year, but we give you a car. And cars at the time were not taxed. So these Fords were what they handed out. And Ford, um, the ones that were manufacturing in Britain at the time, decided, oh, okay, well, we'll now make individual lineups of this specific model to suit the level at the company that you work. So there would be the everyday blue collar worker who got the baseline model of this Ford. And then it would range all the way up to like the manager who got the full on premium gold standard. Like it had an actual badge on the car and people started associating social status with the badge on the car that you had. And that that is like a prime example to me of envy. Well, and that's kind of my point, though, is you just said that's in the 70s. I agree. As even in American society, in like the 70s and 80s, going into the 90s, that corporate ladder, corporate Mm -hmm. structure was such a big deal that the envy was very prevalent in society during that time. Nowadays, because of capitalism seeing as bad, corporate structure seeing as bad, like a lot of those negative aspects... That I don't think is prevalent in today's society, which the envy I think you just pointed out, Michael, is about the big thing, the house, because our generation, yeah, yeah, our generation is just because you can afford a house versus, you know, (laughs) you can't. But I don't think that's at the forefront as it was during that time, which is where my my. My aspect of it being muddled has accepted it. Yeah, (laughs) not that they're okay with it, but going. Yep, that's something I can't do. So I'll, I think, I'll just move past. I think society as a whole is on a downturn for that specific sin, as opposed to the other ones are a lot more prevalent. I, well, I also think that wrath is kind of that is very person to person. I don't think there's an overarching anger in society unless it's towards something. Although I say that after many protests and other things, I was going to say gone, team sports have really like yeah, but I mean like that that's all, all depending on what's going on at the time. Yes, I and agree. I wouldn't even say that's wrath. Like wrath is just pure anger. It's more like you could almost think of it like sometimes it's for justice. So is it really wrath? Are we are we talking? It's a bad thing, or sometimes it's you know. For a team, and you're like, well, is it really wrath? Like, uh, were you just angry your team didn't win? Or And I think that's kind of touching on another podcast topic, which is tribalism. I agree. And Well, and hey. what I was going to actually say on that aspect is it's not like America during the Civil War times. That, I think, was wrath in its purest form. Yeah. You have two diametrically opposite sides getting so angry about things that they go out and kill each other. Yeah, that sounds like last year. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think what we've pointed out is that perhaps in human societies, it, we go through as a whole an ebb and flow of these individual sins peaking. Absolutely. So, yeah, if if you guys have any more to add about deadly sins or whether you associate to a particular one more than another one, 
feel free to reach out at us on uh, at generally casual on any social media platform. We're there. Yeah. And we'll hopefully answer. Yeah. We'll hang around. We'll and try. as always, uh, now we're putting in our social media dumps. Um, that's what you, they're called. You call them dumps. Yeah, they're I, dumps. We okay. Just, we dump once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Make a big old dump. Yeah. Every morning on Wednesday, oh. <laughs> right after our coffee. Uh, um, uh, them is now a casual link to any other casual uh, content that might be out there. Um, there's a casual bros podcast just talking about random stuff they go through, which seems a lot about lustful stuff. Uh, uh-huh. um, we have anime casuals. Which is probably slop. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, which is about uh, obviously anime and all of those things. We have generally casual. We have mental health casual, which Lucky was on previously, which talks about all mental health. Um, and those, you know, we're looking forward to other content in that area. And uh, come, come to us for the yeah. most sort of research topics. But if you if <laughs> organized you like it, if you don't like it, you can always come back to us, and we'll be here for you. And they're all on all different platforms. Obviously, uh, we're we're on all podcasting platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some that are on YouTube. There's you know all sorts Just of different. Just follow things. the link tree. Exactly. Take you there. Exactly. Uh, thank you all for listening, as always, and stay virtuous, not sinful.